Hey guys, welcome back to another Weird Wednesday. I'm Ashers, and this is... Pat O. Pat O. How was your weekend? Uh, I was unfortunately locked in dad mode again. Uh, so that was... Uh, it was good, I guess, for um, for my kids, but kind of sucked for me. It was a weekend full of basketball games and fundraisers. Uh, attempted to dye my daughter's hair on Saturday. Oh, how'd that go? Well, um... My wife got involved and it turned out terrible. Now I can't tell if it's because uh, I didn't handle it on my own <laughs> or if it's because it just was not meant to be. My daughter has uh, kind of like darkish blonde hair or light brown hair, I guess you'd say. And we did not we did not bleach it. We simply got like that kind of like cool, um, it was called splat, I think, uh, pink dye that we put in over it right and then we like wrapped it up in tinfoil and did that whole thing and um you know i don't know i used to bleach my hair when i was younger like actually like physically strip the color from it and i have darker hair so when i would bleach it it would be blonde i used to have bleached blonde hair in the 90s as many of us did and then if i ever if i ever dyed my hair blue or anything it just went right over it right your hair's you strip the color out and then you put new color. I'm, why am I explaining this to you? You know how the fuck it works. So um, this was kind of like a half-ass version of that. And it, it just turned out so-so. But um, she's, you know, it reminded me of being in high school. And like we used to, I used to dye girls hair with like Kool-Aid and stuff. And they'd be like, oh, can you see it? Can you see the purple tint? Like there's purple tint to it. And it's like, I don't see shit. Your hair still looks the same to me. But she seemed to think that there was a pinkish hue to it. So go ahead, you know, whatever you want to do, baby. And then uh, okay. we went, we saw, because um, her and I have been going to the movies a lot lately together. And we went, we saw Missing, which was the, um, it's, it's one of those movies. that They had made another one back in the day, too. Uh, but it, this one was about, like, a girl's parents go missing. And the whole movie takes place on, like, the desktop of her computer you know what i mean it's like kind of it's found footage but obviously they show like technology and they show her like googling things and um it was all right you know i think uh i think it was interesting to see a story told like that for somebody that's got a little bit of a filmmaking background um it's a little gimmicky i don't think i need to see every movie shot like that but one movie every five years uh, is is okay. And I think it's also interesting that we're, we're at a very specific place in time culturally where you can tell a story like that. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Ten years from now or ten years ago, you, you wouldn't be able to do that. And ten years from now, you, you might not be able to do that again either. This movie kind of really exists in a moment. And I think that's a little fascinating. So, uh, not to be a total movie nerd, but from an anthropological point of view, it, uh, and please make a meme about how I mispronounced that word red, you fucking jag off, uh, from an anthropological point of view, it, it was, it was interesting. It was an interesting piece of media. So, uh, yeah, that, that was, that was the, the majority of my weekend. Also, uh, recorded some new content for Y2K movies. Um, we did an episode for kids versus aliens which has just dropped this week 
and the movie was excellent. So uh, much like South Park, we were able to rush an episode into production to comment on something that's happening in the in the immediate uh, immediately time. So that movie came out on Friday, and we recorded an episode for it uh, yesterday, and it's dropping today. And then also this week we're doing another episode on um, actually our most requested movie, if you could believe that, 2008's Speed Racer. Ever since we started that podcast, people have been asking that we cover that movie. So um, we finally got around to it with one of my D&D buddies who's got a podcast and Twitch stream of his own. What is it? Was, was it a good movie? I didn't watch it. Speed Racer? Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. I mean, well, it's by the Wachowskis. Um, it's very visually, visually, it's very interesting because it's like, you know, the Wachowskis like shtick is kind of that they bring anime to life that they do, uh, live action anime. Right. And, um, they certainly did that to a certain extent with the matrix, with the fighting styles and all that stuff and bullet time and all that shit, but they do it in a completely different sense with speed racer and um i don't know did you ever watch the cartoon at all as a kid yeah it's uh it's pretty faithful in tone and um and then but it's also got the rakowski's like you know um anti-establishment vibe it was very reminiscent of this is another movie that everybody loves nowadays um josie and the pussycats i don't know if you have you seen that not the movie no but yeah so josie yeah, so the Joes and the Pussycats movie, it's all about them being like a, um, they're like this, I don't know, little punk band, I guess you'd say, and they are hired by this uh, record label, they're, they're signed by a record label to use subliminal messaging in their music, and it's all about how MTV and Top 40 music and boy bands and all this manufactured pop bullshit is just a way to sell other products through subliminal messaging. And it's really clever, and they 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 handle that concept, and they do a little bit. They do more than you think that you would have to with the Josie and the Pussycats movie, and in the same way, they do the same thing with Speed Racer. Where Speed Racer is really about, and it's got a very big gnostic ending where Speed reaches this moment of pure transcendence. It's, I won't get into it. Watch it; it's pretty good, but um, <laughs> it's worth checking out. It's very, you know, it's. There'll be good episodes. Um, what else do I want to talk about? Uh, starting this week, something else that not necessarily happened just this weekend, but weekends moving forward, uh, I got us ad time on Q101. So if you're a fan of the show, you're already listening, so it was probably wasted on you. But um, Well, you know, no, I- people listening might be here for the first time. Oh, there you go. Well, this is, this is why you to came to show. hear Welcome to our show. This is why I came to buy Ed Time on Q101. Um, so there's a Sunday morning history of alternative show on Q101 that I have listened to religiously since it came on. It's four hours Sunday morning. Uh, actually, I think it's a little bit more than four hours now, but it's basically they'll play anything from The Cure to Real Big Fish to uh, Fall Out Boy to Rancid to Depeche Mode to Ministry, both types of Ministry um anything right history of alternative and it's really great it's 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 awesome sunday morning i'm getting ready to go to church to do my av job and um i love it and it's very reminiscent of when i was in college radio at wxav we had a our radio show was sunday morning too so um absolutely love this program listen to it every sunday 
and for, for a while they were running ads from this other paranormal podcast who i can't even remember the name of them but they the show sounded terrible <laughs> like they it was like us but like they weren't funny and like the sound clips they would pull were like I'm supposed to want to watch it because of that. Like that's that's you got you got 30 seconds to sell me on something. And that is the that is the sound clip that you used. Yeah. Like if this is if this is your heavy hitter best of the best moment, like Jesus, I am not tuning into this. But it put the idea in my head. Like, oh, let's see what how much airtime is and it's like super fucking cheap. It's like 30 bucks in a, a spot. So, um I got us a spot for the for the month of February. We'll be we'll be running an ad on the history of alternative on Q one oh one. So look it up. You should listen to the radio show anyway, because it's really good and I'm sure, you know, radio stations nowadays, it doesn't matter if you live in Chicago, you can go on the internet or if you have a uh a uh, Alexa device, you can just say, Hey, put on Q one oh one. I like that. That was She'll start playing. I know because I got one in the room with me now. Yeah, but uh, it'll, it'll start playing it, and that so you don't have to like be able to tune in FM Q one hundred one. You can just do it. Via... So hold on, are they paying us thirty bucks to show their shit right now? No, 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 no. I, I like bought <laughs> advertisement time. Well, like like you would for like you know uh, Johnny's discount auto parts or you know Asher's falafels. You know, it's just. We did it for on Wednesdays. We talk weird, so, and we'll see. We'll see how it goes. If we see, you know, the the ads start running next Sunday, and then if we see any kind of uptick, um, maybe we'll supplement them with doing a weeknight two a.m. Uh, ad spot because that's kind of the coast to coast hour. Yeah, that'd right? be cool. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's just something to try. That's that's always been my thing with this show is that. I like having different spaces to play in and different stuff just to kind of like screw around with. And, you know, um, we'll see, we'll see if advertising works and if we get any kind of uptick or any kind of feedback, then we'll keep it going, you know? So that's that. What else do I want to talk about? Um, Oh, so uh, this has arguably little to do with me, depending on who you ask, but Thursday, February 2nd at 9 p.m. Eastern on the Clubhouse app. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Remember your Clubhouse app? Hopefully Don't you've kept your it. your old Clubhouse app. <laughs> Hopefully you have not deleted it. Uh, people are going to try to tell you this was my idea or all my fault. It isn't. I'm simply a conduit to the universe. Uh, Cryptocasters is coming back. Uh, 9 p.m. Thursday, February 2nd, 9 p.m. Eastern on Clubhouse. Um, yeah, so that'll be interesting. Greg Morrill, he's dusted off the fez, and he'll be getting back out there. And, I'm excited. Uh, I miss Greg. You know, I I don't know if I talked about it on this on the air, but there is probably, I mean, no bullshit. It, like at least a week once a week or once every couple days where I thought, man, how great was that? How great was that for the community? And how great was that for um, just everything to get people together and talking in that app? I was always, a you know, go back to those old episodes. Like I was always a big fan of the clubhouse app and the technology and the way that it worked, getting people together. I thought it was brilliant. I loved it. And it was kind of a shame that, and I always felt like we were kind of underutilizing it. 
And um, not that I'm, I'm taking anyone to task for that, but it's just like, I wish we, I wish I had seen us do more of it. And I mean, hey, we never we never hosted a single. I don't. You might have. I don't know. But I mean, like I know I didn't. We never. I feel like we never hosted a single clubhouse room. Yeah, we were I in a bunch of them. Yeah, I was on there a lot too. But like you know, there it only seemed like it was maybe Greg and Jeremiah Byron that were kind of like doing stuff. And hopefully, this creates a renaissance where more people get involved with it and do it more. Because I think it's I think it's a great way to connect with people. And um, I'm glad that it's coming back. So that's February 2nd. So two, depending on when you're listening to this, maybe potentially two weeks from tomorrow. But uh, I, I miss it because it's it's just, I mean, honestly, you know, was, was it a big place to network? No. Was there always a lot of people in the room? No. <laughs> there wasn't. Sometimes, every once in a great while, you would meet someone new. And uh, maybe that connection went somewhere. Maybe it didn't. Um, but like I met, I mean, I met Jeremiah and, and, and Greg both because of clubhouse. Um, so I mean, you know, that once that was established, yeah, Aaron D's, Aaron D's got into this because of clubhouse, like that's where he started. And, um, you know, so it's helped a lot of people. I don't think it's going to matter much now. I mean, I miss hanging out with my friends and talking about, you know, weird stuff. But uh, it's not like, I mean, it's like getting back on MySpace and having a group chat on there. Like, it's it's a dinosaur at this point. Nobody's on it. But <laughs> we will be <laughs> Thursday. <laughs> so. Wow. That'll be fun. No passive aggressive shit talking there. But all right. I'll it's true. It actually sound. Has, well, you, has tanked. But you know what? You're right. It Well, first of all, it, it may have tanked for this crowd. But it, it, go on there. There's still, when I, I went on it the other day just to see if I needed to update it or anything. And there's still activity on it uh remember the world exists beyond our bubble um but yeah i think i think when you bring up the myspace comparison that's something i almost did earlier as well uh you're right myspace had its moment and it was very important for a moment in time and then it kind of just kind of fell by the wayside and then what happened then facebook came along you know what I mean? And we're arguably in the twilight of the Facebook years or not, depending on who you ask. But Facebook begat Twitter and Instagram and stuff like that. So whether or not uh, Clubhouse will be the end-all be-all of, of audio social networking or, or hosting these kind of live chat rooms or anything like that, probably not. But it, it, it can be. It, it, to compare it to, to MySpace, I think, is pretty accurate. It might have been the opening shot. And fa- MySpace wasn't even the opening shot. There used to be Friendster, you know what I mean? Or Friendster. There used to be live, ju- live Journal. Yeah, I mean, there was, there was always something that came before. Before that, there was bulletin boards. You know, if you really want to fucking go back, there was CopyServe Usernet groups. So, like, yeah, there, everything everything occupies a specific space in the chain. And, you know, you're never the first and you're never the last. You're always usually just somewhere in the middle. Um, so, yeah, I, I think Clubhouse probably uh, will not be the end-all be-all of this type of technology and communication. But uh, it definitely um, will definitely be on it February 2nd <laughs> at 9 p.m. Eastern. So check that shit out. It's Asher's how- yeah, Asher's, how was your weekend? It was okay. I, uh, I mean, my plans kind of had a wrench thrown in them, but uh, whatever. <laughs> like, I mean, I don't know. Damn family. It was a family weekend, which was okay, I guess. But I mean, I don't, 
I don't mind my family so much. Um, but I just always feel like it's my own fault. <clears throat> but I feel like I can't like be in the moment and just like enjoy it because I feel like I'm wasting my time because I'm not doing anything that's particularly productive. And so I'm trying to, um, you know, get over that socially. I need to, <laughs> I need to stop feeling like everything has to be a job or everything has to have a goal or I need to stop working so damn much. So it was all right. Uh, Friday night we recorded for Monster Radio, which is out now for, uh, we talked about the Mothman. So that's a fan favorite. If you feel like you've not heard me talk about the Mothman enough, go over there and listen to me talk about the Mothman <laughs> some more. <laughs> um but you know maybe maybe i'll learn you something i don't know um and uh that was really it sunday i binge watched uh that 90s show what'd you think we talked about that on our aliens versus kids versus aliens movie towards the end it was okay you know i didn't hate it uh i wasn't hooked on it I, i could live without it uh you know but i didn't like i said i didn't hate it uh it was all right it was all right the two my two um i guess sound blurbs sound bites takeaways from it which you could also hear on uh, y2k movies kids versus aliens is number one um actually i got a couple number one their eric foreman's daughter is incredibly adorable and i mean that in the, in the least creepy pederast way uh, i understand she's supposed to be a teenager but she's cute right like i think she's cute like she's a cute she's kid a cute on that kid. show yeah, I and I, I would like to see her in more stuff. I thought she was charismatic. I liked um, all of the cast. Well, you know, there was a few note-for-note translations that I wasn't thrilled about. The kid that they, the football player kid they got playing the new Kelso, is a little too Kelso. Now, mind you, I'm only halfway through, so maybe there's some great character development that I'm missing or something. Um, you know, the the gay Asian kids kind of a stand-in for Fez. I thought that was uh, that was what it was. Um, you know, we were talking about the kids versus aliens movie and how um, you know there's a tendency to when you write childlike dialogue, when you write dialogue for preteens and teenagers, either they have a tendency to make them seem too smart or too vulgar. And luckily, in kids versus aliens, they go the vulgar route where the kids just drop a lot of F-bombs and motherfuck each other. And I think that's more authentic than kids trying to sound more intelligent. But one of the things that I saw on Twitter that I have to agree with is that for a bunch of Midwestern kids in 1995 sitting around drinking beer and smoking weed, no one calls anyone a homo, right? Like, they don't... (laughs) Like they they don't like really talk to each other the way kids in the 90s would talk to each other it's very the 90s whitewashed via fucking netflix and everything right Um, i feel like these are like gen z kids definitely like they're not 90s kids right they are a hundred percent uh gen z kids and that's smoking cigarettes they should all be smoking cigarettes. None of them are smoking cigarettes. And all I right. feel like physically they all look too young. Like, I feel like the kids in that 70s shows, that 70s show was, were definitely like teenagers, right? These are not. I mean, I think they're supposed to be because one drives, but like, he, they don't look like it. They look like they're like 12 to 14. Yeah. Eric Foreman's daughter, Leia, uh, sh- they dress her. I noticed this about her costuming, it, and I know this because I, I don't. Well, never mind. Uh, 
she looks out of the like she's right out of the Delia's catalog. You know what I mean? Like the stuff that they put her in, like I yeah. guess that's what kids were, were what girls were wearing. Like they do seem to kind of get that right. Um and I did honestly, there was a joke in the second episode where they go to rent clerks. She's never seen clerks before. And she talks about how hot she thinks Kevin Smith is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I love that joke just because no one ever calls her out on it, but they always kind of just look at each other like, really? Like, not saying he isn't hot. <laughs> They're not making fun of Kevin Smith or calling him ugly. But when she says a couple times, oh, my God, Kevin Smith, he, you know, he's so hot. Because she's never seen it before. And she's trying to act cool in front of her friends. Yeah. Um, and they're just like, hmm. It was good. It definitely had a couple of, it had a couple of laps, you know. Um, yeah. Like I said, I, I didn't hate it, but I, I didn't need it. It's not the content that I needed. And it didn't feel, um, you know, that 70s show feels like it takes place in the 70s. This does not feel like it takes place in the 90s. Right. And, and the, I think that. the the most authentic part of that show was the next door neighbor was the kid's mom. Um, cause that is a trashy chick from Kenosha and I've known plenty of them in my day, but they're timeless. That's not necessarily a, tra- a trashy nineties chick from Kenosha. You could go to Kenosha right now and find women that are exactly like that. You know, <laughs> she's just, yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> not, nothing against, nothing against our Kenosha listeners. If we have any, uh, you know, got my nothing but love for you girls but i'm just saying like <laughs> that's the waitress at the broad stop still like they're still like that yeah i, I well you know? i agree i know people like that now right i mean <laughs> <laughs> that midwestern hussy that, that group yeah. to be like that and then i just feel like look i get it i understand that you know it's a new group of kids and they're trying to make it as close as you know as possible to the old group of kids and but like is that the point of like a reboot is to like spend time with the characters that you loved in the previous show which it's i mean it's hard to do right because like that one guy ended up being like a rapist or whatever so like he's in prison and yeah. like you know I, you know but i'm sure they could be like oh he died you know <laughs> that would be within that character right for him to be dead um you know you don't really see the kids a lot and when you do see them like really like you maybe like you see eric and donna more so than anybody else they're just somebody's parents they're not eric well, and Donna. he had a sister right he did yeah was i imagining that okay because i because my my wife we watched it with uh my wife and my son and my son obviously had no idea what any of it was and she wasn't really a fan but i was like i could have swore you had like this hot blonde sister he did and i kind of feel like maybe like they recast her at like the end of the show which i never watched like after a certain point i stopped watching that 70 show i didn't watch the whole thing through no i i watched until um until i probably was out of high school and and I went about my life and I was partying and stuff. It's like X Files. Like people talk to me about like the Patrick. They talk to try to talk to me about Dogbert and like Dogger or like the the Robert Patrick X Files era. I'm like I'm fucking dude. I grew out of it at that point. I don't know what was going right, on. Right, I haven't watched all of it. You know that's right. And I feel like that somebody shows is like that. No, again, it's it has some nostalgia factor. Um, you know, because when I was watching it, I was like preteen. I mean, that's when it mm-hmm. came out was like in my preteen years you know and i kind of grew up with it a little bit but then you st- you know like south park you stop watching it <laughs> well i still i unfortunately do south park references, references this episode i'm proud of us 
But yeah, you know, I uh and I think it was that that first one that 70s show was a little bit was a little bit more groundbreaking because um first of all it was on Fox so they could they definitely were on a shorter leash than Netflix probably has them on number 1. And number 2 like them smoking weed was like I I mean the weed was still illegal in the in the country at that point. Yeah. To sh- to have a show where high school kids are smoking pot was like I'm not saying it was like groundbreaking boundary it wasn't fucking Oz but like Oh, you yeah. know, it, there was a little bit of edge to it, and it was kind of funny, and it was kind of cool. And now it was—I just found it annoying when they were smoking weed because I'm like, nobody gets that high. Shut the fuck up. I like, agree. Yeah. You know, it just seemed cheese dick. Where you're just, uh, and you're at the point where, like I said, Rich now, cheese. now we, with the exception of you, uh, backwards ass people in Ohio, like most of the country can smoke dope now. You go buy it at the gas station, like the idea that it's—it was like this taboo, like rebellious thing like dick got to be completely lost on kids you know we have legal pot in ohio you just it's not recreationally legal it's only medically legal yeah whatever <laughs> doesn't count <laughs> yes <it> whatever. Does. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> anyway <laughs> we have dispensaries you can go there buy it um it's just cheaper to fucking buy it off your drug dealer than it is to go and fucking right deal with your medical cocaine card prices and... for uh for weed at a dispensary all right fuck that I just get Which some shake from my dealer and i'll be just fine ties into my my news this this week whenever we when we get oh, there gosh. yeah i'm ready i mean do you want me to go or do you want to go or you can go first okay i have one news okay exactly one news um so a couple in boston massachusetts allegedly had an encounter with the men in black so uh one night they were actually they were watching a bunch of like ufo shit on like youtube and whatever a couple and they go out at like 2 30 in the morning to go smoke a cigarette and they're kind of talking about aliens a little bit and allegedly while they're discussing aliens they see a ufo and uh freaks them out so they go inside about an hour later they go back outside again so i guess this this would be about around 3 30 in the morning and uh they saw a, a guy in a black car was sitting right across from them and he got out of the car and just stood there but like down the street they saw two other men just kind of standing around watching them then eventually they went in now the lady of the of the two of the couple um said that the, you know their faces were like blurry looking hmm. which i'm not sure entirely what that means maybe she needs glasses i don't know maybe that's what she means well maybe that's what she means by that i don't know um but what's interesting is that this was reported to a like a ufo group and um the ufo group it wasn't reported by the couple it was reported by the girl's brother he reported it um Mm -hmm. the couple had actually called the police about the man standing around outside their house and the police said sorry we take um you know crimes not ufo calls and hung up on them so i don't know was it the men in black i i don't know well why would they come for them you know i I just the men in black stuff is always so strange to me right yeah because it kind of what they did they see anything that because the men in black don't come for everybody right right? so why did they come for these people because they had a pretty within an hour of their sighting yeah they didn't uh-huh. even have the chance to tell anybody. They didn't post pictures or videos or anything online. You know, it wasn't like they they got on Twitter at two thirty in the morning and reported it to all of Twitter and it went viral instantly. You know, and anything like that. So why these people? 
Why would they show up then and there? Um, I don't know. I kind of have a theory about the men in black and maybe um, that they're not like alien entities, but maybe they are um, government officials. And the only time that they show up in an incident is when it's something that we know or they know is directly tied to the U.S. military. That's why they don't want people talking about it. So if, if the military, let's just pretend it's real, okay? Maybe the military was out there testing some type of secret craft and they happen to see it, right? So they already had boots on the ground trying to track people that may have been out and about. Maybe they saw them from afar and was like, oh my God, there's people outside. Let's go intimidate them. I don't know. They didn't say anything to them. Mm-hmm. They could have just been people. You know, people are allowed to also hang outside at 2.30, 3.30 in the morning. Like, that's fine. There's no law. Yeah. Yeah. You know. But that's my that's my news. What do you think, Pato? Um, you know, I don't know. <laughs> okay. I got right. nothing. I got right. nothing. I guess we'll. Uh, well, you know, I, I guess it kind of. Um, I don't. I don't try too hard to make connections. The Men in Black thing. I, I I think there might be multiple explanations of that phenomenon in general. I think some of them, um, you know, when we did the Men in Black episode and, you know, we talked about uh, the Aleister Crowley stuff and we talked about the actually uh, Alan Greenfield stuff too. There's a lot of people that suggest that these are um, not from the government. These these yes, these are not terrestrial intelligences that 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 work for three letter work for some alphabet agency, um, and I think that there's I have I have heard enough stories to where that can make sense to me. I kind of get it, um, but that doesn't mean that there's not government people that go out and interview witnesses and and kind of intimidate them and spook them a little bit. You know, just with the timing of this one, I'd say that if this if this did go down the way all parties report that it did, it makes a little bit more sense that it was a, uh, excuse me, that it was a, um, something extraterrestrial in origin, but I don't know, you know? Yeah. I I don't, I mean, it's just a random report, report from the internet, but people ask all the time, do people still see men in black? Well, allegedly they do. Yeah. Allegedly they do um you know and and the reports are out there and they come in you know every little bit um nothing significant that i can think of actually um probably the last the most significant one that we've had in recent years has was probably dan Aykroyd. so there you go i'm serious and he and he, and he agrees with me he, he, he didn't think that they were human he thought that they were it was some kind of uh intelligence masking itself to what it thought humans should look like yeah so i'm once again putting a call out to the fans of the show to bother dan Aykroyd on social media and convince him to come on the show and talk to us about his men in black stuff yeah i could probably get him out if i had to i used to work at a hotel that he frequented and i could blackmail the shit out of him but i won't i'm telling you you have to (laughs) we'll see i've also bought enough bought enough of that crystal skull vodka to where I think I think I single handedly right. kept that fucking company afloat in the odds. You've paid for an appearance at this point. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, I, I get a five minute fucking Skype call from him. I'm just saying. But anyway, that was my news for the week. Here's my news. My news is all very, very local. Uh, so it's it's kind of th- three um, 
three little tidbits, three little nuggets of news. Number one, two more firefighters have come forth about the Mothman sightings at O'Hare. Uh, this story was brought to us via our friends at Guess Where UFO Clearinghouse. Uh, there's no names given, no more additional information. Um, one of them actually, the, the third story that comes in goes back to 4th of July weekend. And um, it's described as a Batman once again, which I guess is what he's being referred to over at O'Hare if we if we believe uh, the UFO Clearinghouse website. But um, yeah, just wanted to say more info's coming in through there. Um, so check that website out if you want. Uh, and then also, and you and I were kind of commenting on this, uh, the 14 Times Magazine. The cover story of this month's 14 in Time magazine is the Chicago Mothman. And they interview a character by the name of Jack Chavez. Now, Jack Chavez is somebody who I never directly mentioned on any of our previous shows, but he's involved with a lot of the Chicago paranormal groups. And when I did that filming stuff and I went to those conventions over the summer, um, he was kind of a figurehead. In fact, the one that I was at, I, I want to say he was the organizer. Um, so this is a, this is a real person that I have met before. And according to, uh, this, which I have not read the article yet. I will track down this magazine probably and give it a read. Um, this month's 14 times that, uh, he is not a witness, but he is someone that got to interview an eyewitness. So going back to, I think, some of uh, Tobias's. And Tobias and Emily are mentioned in the article as well. So because um, the, the guy, Jack Chavez, he posted uh, uh, the magazine in his on his Facebook feed. And you can read the magazine article because he posted it, right? He took a picture of it and put it online. And you can see that the Waylands are brought up in there. And um, some other people, too, Lon Strickler and... and the usual crew and um yeah jack jack chavez just mentions that he uh had the opportunity to uh interview one of the doormen up in on chicago's north side there was a bar doorman that was outside the bar that he worked at one night and happened to see this thing on a, on a adjacent rooftop so i guess that's kind of what we were asking for last episode no it's not <laughs> we were saying does somebody know somebody that saw something nope this wasn't nope. necessarily nope. at o'hare exactly uh, that's exactly that, right. that it right there the witnesses that saw this thing outside of the chicago o'hare airport i 100 percent believe those witnesses it is strictly the ones coming out of the airport that i that i am questioning so what's interesting that now they closed the article with a uh some sound bites from tobias which i thought was pretty cool and uh they end the article with a teaser for a part two <laughs> uh, a part two article in next month's magazine so i definitely want to track this down but the teaser reads next issue mothman turns mexican jealousies erupt and things fall apart which sounds to be just about where we're at right now <laughs> interesting why is it right why is it mexican i don't be well because uh i mean if that's a hell of a cliffhanger no i mean so uh the individual that runs the ufo clearinghouse is hispanic and all of his sightings come from the little village um 
and I'm I kind of alluded to this last episode, but I didn't say you know I you can't say Mexican because people aren't always from Mexico just because they're Hispanic, right? So um, maybe they mean something different. But a lot of a lot of the UFO clearinghouse eyewitnesses and reporters, there's uh, there's it's they're they're it's all Hispanic. Um, so yeah, the fact that the the teaser for next the part two of this article is Mothman turns Mexicans jealousies erupt and things fall apart. Um, I'll be very interested to see how they frame yeah. that. I am who, also who the jealousies are and, and at what point things fall apart, but uh, it might be interesting. It might be worth checking out that article. So if you, if you find yourself in the vicinity of a copy of the 14 times magazine, pick it up, give it a read. And interesting. Uh, the last thing I wanted to talk about, and this is kind of news, but it's kind of a public service announcement too, and and we can talk about this for as long as, or as little as you want. Um, yesterday, in the neighborhood that I grew up in, and I talk about the neighborhood I grew up in a lot, south side of Chicago, and it's a big bar area. Bar culture is very big. Um, at least five, and I heard numbers upwards of eight at two different locations um of people yesterday afternoon kind of just dropping dropping at the bar from uh some fentanyl laced cocaine that was going around oh no yeah whereas at one bar they six people got hospitalized because five people just boom dropped one after the other and the bartender was trying to catch one of them and and broke her ankle um And then supposedly there was a second location, although I haven't seen it reported in the news through the scuttlebutt that I'm connected. I may not have, you know, <laughs> I may not have earpieces in the community telling me what the Mothman is doing at a given moment. But you get people ODing at bars and my cell phone won't stop fucking blowing up. So, um, yeah, and uh, I mean, we, as you may or may not know, we are in the middle of NFL playoff season. <laughs> And I think there was a Cowboys game on yesterday or something. And some people were at the bar on a Sunday afternoon fixing to have a good time. And unfortunately, they had bad Coke. And uh, you're talking about five people in a bar all fucking ODing on fentanyl just like that. So who the hell's at the bar selling the, the fentanyl-laced cocaine? I'm sure. Well, so now there's a little bit of speculation there. Was it done intentionally? Did someone just get a bad batch? was that bad batch intentionally brought into that area because that area were both of these bars. And like I said, the news is only reporting one bar, but I heard from a who knows source that there was a second bar too, or two people. OD'd. Um, you know, it's a lot of uh, cops and firemen and city workers. And that's where I grew up. And um, you know, if you're trying to really make a bunch of people look bad, I mean, there's everybody knows five people ODing at a fucking bar on a Sunday afternoon. You know exactly, like you 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 know that story. You know what the deal is. They were they bought bad coke. A bunch of fucking people sitting around shooting blow, doing blow, watching. Right, is the bartender selling it? I mean, what the fuck? Where are they all getting? Somebody at that bar is selling that coke. Well, someone at the bar had the coke. Doesn't necessarily mean they bought it at the bar. They could have brought it in with them. Someone could have brought up an eight ball and and split up with between their buddies and they all fucking did a bump and then, you know, getting ready for kickoff and then boom, all five of them fucking fall back. So, uh, 
check your drugs. I don't, I don't, you know, the whole fentanyl thing, I, I got to admit, I'm a, I'm a hair too old to really have my finger on exactly what the deal is with it. But I know that you can get strips or something to test your shit. Um, oh yeah. So definitely if you are a drug user, even if you're a drug user and I, I, it, I hate to sound like a dad, but it goes back to that. You know, when we were growing up, we were always told, if you do it just one time, if you do it just one time, you know, you can get addicted or you could have this kind of reaction or you could die. And uh, I pretty much proved that that's not true. But the thing is, with shit being laced, and this is, you know, this is a, an Irish white upper middle class neighborhood. Like, there's uh, nobody had that in the back of their head that that was even a possibility of how that would go down. And now you got yeah. five people OD and they got a lot of shit to explain to their fucking families and are, are, are lucky they survived, you know, but, um, yeah, if you're going to do cocaine, um, or any drugs for that matter, do them safely, which means unfortunately now you have to test your shit before you take it. Oh yeah, absolutely. That, I mean, that is the downside of buying even pot from your drug dealer is that, you know, <laughs> you don't know what's in it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh you know it's out there and um i think it's weird i think it's a weird i don't understand why people are cutting coke with fentanyl unless they're doing it on purpose unless somebody is is like hey i want to take that drug i don't get what the benefit would be as a drug dealer to do that i don't know i don't know if it's because it makes a little bit go a long way when i used to when i was growing Coming of age, if you want to talk about uh, what that 90s show would have been like about me and my friends back in the day, um, there would have been a lot more ecstasy. And, you know, when you take when you took ecstasy back in the day, there was a pretty good chance that it might have been cut with heroin because heroin is cheaper than MDMA. So when you're making pills, you could make pills that are 100% MDMA or you can make pills that are 70% MDMA and 30% heroin. And luckily, heroin still gets you fucked up, too. So you might not know the difference, or it might not be that big of a deal. But you could always tell if you had heroin pills because you have locked jaw the next day. You know? Um, <laughs> the next day I understand that, but that does not make sense with fentanyl. It's actually, it's more expensive to do fentanyl. It's, fentanyl's way more expensive than cocaine. So, like, <laughs> you could just use cocaine and, like, say Unless them. there's an overabundance of one, I don't know. I Honestly, I could not, I could not argue that. I don't know. I've read a lot about so, it recently. So, maybe, so maybe, it, maybe it was targeted. Maybe it was, um, maybe, you know, I, listen, I, I, I unfortunately have known people to be sold bad drugs on purpose right because they owed somebody money or they pissed off the wrong person the last time they were in jail or whatever and that shit happens so this is now i don't know how how, how high profile this story is going to get i know that it was all over the uh all over the we were all texting each other about it and, and like within it, it spread like wildfire whether or not the press is going to pick up on it i don't know they might not just out of because this isn't necessarily the kind of thing that the news reports on, because um, they want it this handled discreetly. But this is a this is a fucking big deal. This is a big deal, and it was very scary, and it was very holy shit. Um, and uh, I just wanted to share it with our listeners because people party, and you know, and there's the nothing Super wrong Bowl, with that. 
Yeah. Oh, God, no. I'm the last person to fucking judge. But with the Super Bowl coming up and shit, I hate to go back to those, you know, just turn this into fucking dare class again. But be careful because all it takes is the wrong, the wrong bump from the wrong person that doesn't even know they got bad shit and you're down. And I, I, I don't know how many fatalities there were here. I had heard two, but I had heard that then they were all stable. So who knows? I mean, some sure. of this stuff gets like blown out of proportion and shit. I, like I said about the second bar, too, I had heard it was six people at one bar and two people at another, and both the bars were right down the street from each other. I don't know if that's necessarily true or not, but um, just just be careful. Just be careful out there. Interesting. Well, <clears throat> speaking of um, conspiratorial uh, true crime rings, uh, <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> um, let's get into this episode, huh? Let's do it. Whew, man, this is a doozy. Um, what had, had you ever heard about this, Pato? Have you ever heard of uh, Johnny Gosh before all this? You know, I had. Um, it's so I don't even. I I want to say yes because I knew about. I knew the basics: the disappearance, then the potential reappearance, right? Sure. And then from when we did uh, another episode, which I won't, you know, we'll probably get to a little bit later. Sure. Um, I want to say that I knew that these two stories dovetailed in, but um, man, there's so many. This is this is such a bigger story, has the potential to be such a bigger story, depending on how much you believe. Yes. And uh, oh yeah, <laughs> it, I did not like it. Um, you didn't like let me, it. Let me just say this: don't, under any means, do not Google. Johnny Ghost Polaroid. Don't. Don't do it. I know you're, you're hearing it right now and you're thinking about grabbing your phone while you're driving and Googling Johnny Ghost Polaroid. Don't do it. And if you're stoned, definitely don't do it because you just ruined just ruined your afternoon. <laughs> Total bummer. Not a good time. Anyway, oh, I was like, continue. what is he talking about? And then I Googled it. So, <laughs> See, all those Polaroids? Oh, I don't. Oh, I those kids don't look happy. I got things to say about it. It's fine. That's not a good time. Yeah. <laughs> that's not what kids should be doing at that <laughs> yeah, age. That's tell you. not, you know. They should be doing cocaine with fentanyl in it like the rest of us. They <laughs> should be playing outside with sticks and hoops. Yeah. No, duct taped uh, together in a hotel room somewhere. Duct taped together in a hotel room somewhere. Um, We'll talk about it. We'll get there. Um, <laughs> There is so, 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 so much. And here's the thing about it is that, you know what? Um, we're probably not even gonna barely scratch the surface of this rabbit hole um just because i thought i was schooled on this and apparently <clears throat> there's a lot that even i don't know there's a lot that's happened in like the last three years <laughs> i mean it just continues um so this is definitely a case that after this episode if if it seems interesting to you um you'll definitely want to continue down the rabbit hole and keep up on um because it is still an ongoing case so um johnny gosh it was a paper boy from des moines iowa okay on the morning of september 5th 1982 he left his home to go deliver the papers now he was supposed to wake his dad up and he was supposed to go with him but for whatever reason that didn't happen instead um you know he went on by himself no his mom was awake um she was actually up when when he well she now says initially that wasn't the story but um anyway 
so he left he leaves he takes the the dog with him and he goes and picks up his papers and a lot of people saw him picking up his papers um some people had actually seen him talking to a man in a two-tone blue car okay one one kid reported specifically um but johnny reassured him oh it was just some guy asking for directions and he's like oh okay um, and then another paper boy also noticed a man that was following Johnny, but didn't really, he thought it was weird, but he didn't really say anything about it. Um, a neighbor had later on heard a car door slam <clears throat> and saw a silver Ford Fairmont Speedway. Uh, but Johnny was never heard from again after the second boy that he's, that, that reported him seeing being followed by the man. Now his parents gosh I'm, i got a frog in my throat i've been doing nothing but talking all day this sucks i got the frog man in my throat that's what it is <laughs> um. <laughs> oh the places we could go with that speaking of which uh come to the Frogman festival march 4th um anyway back to your <laughs> how have we not promoted that yet yes Frogman. back march to your 4th. pedophile ring story <laughs> um so the parents got uh woken up they started getting weird calls from neighbors saying that their papers hadn't been delivered yet um so the parents went out well the dad went out searching he found johnny's wagon and the dog and um the papers but he did not find johnny uh noreen and remember her <laughs> she's a big player in all this uh noreen ended up you know she called the police they didn't arrive for like 45 minutes and then when they did show up didn't really want to do anything about the disappearance stating that johnny was probably a runaway uh that she had to wait so many hours before they would do anything about it and she is very angry about how the investigation was handled as a matter of fact it it, it was handled very badly <laughs> and we learned a lot from it since then right yeah. um so that that wasn't the right thing for the police to do right so johnny disappears right out of thin air i don't think is there anything i'm missing the day of the disappearance pano oh no no you're good okay <clears throat> the story just continues to get weirder and weirder okay <laughs> so uh, within that same month in september um noreen had learned of a report because she had, you know her her trust in the police were was waning so she would go on to hire multiple private investigators to find her son they have offered up a reward to find him constantly um but she had found out later on about a tip that came in saying that uh in tulsa oklahoma a boy uh, approached a woman and asked for help he said i need help my name's uh john gosh and then two men came and dragged him away. Now, the woman had reported it initially to the police. They really didn't do anything about it. And she just felt so awful about it. She actually reported it twice. Um, she reported it after she saw Johnny's face on the, on the on, you know, national news that he was miss missing. And she said, that's the boy that I saw. And that's what he told me his name was. That was him. And the police just kind of swept it under the rug. Wow. In 1984, right, so two years after uh, Johnny went missing, uh, an interesting character approached Noreen and told her, hey, I've got some delicate information that you might be interested in. And uh, so she met up with this man. He said he went by the name of Sam Soda. Okay. And Sam reported, he said, well, here's what, here's what I've got for you. On this date and this time, another paper boy is going to go missing. 
And she's like, okay, why are you telling me? Why aren't you telling the police? And he's just like, they don't care. <laughs> she's like, okay, well, guess what happened? On that date and time, time another paper boy, uh, a 12-year-old paper boy by the name of Eugene Martin, went missing in very similar circumstances to Johnny Gosh. And the police and it, still didn't really do anything about it. Go ahead. Wow. I never heard that. That's news to me. Oh, Sam Soda is a big... He's pro, Sam Soda is probably one of the prime suspects in the case. Um, And there's a couple of more... I mean, there's a couple more reasons why. And we'll get into it. Why he would go to Noreen and tell her that, I have no idea. Right. I really don't. Well, you know, was he after a ransom? We don't know. Now, he was actually responsible for busting another, like, a different pedophile and a different pedophile ring. Um, so he was kind of going under the guise of, like, I'm, you know, I'm a pedophile hunter. He was, like, busting these these rings up, you know. Um, but that could have also been his cover for his own sick, twisted fantasies. And that's how he knew these people. And he could uh, turn them in for reward reward money and you know kind of live off of that um while also you know being in the business himself we'll get a little bit more into that yeah that's that's, <laughs> that's some pretty wild accusations there it is, it is I, i'm sure it's based i'm sure it's founded in, in <laughs> you know yeah okay i'm listening i'm, I'm, well, I'm clearly not interrupting you i'm no, it's, okay. you, it's all right um yeah. so i'm just trying to tell it kind of chronologically because it's messing right. all over the place and it is yeah. the easiest way to do that um, so, like I said, Sam Soda predicted the disappearance of Eugene Martin. Now, the police never tied in Eugene Martin to um, Johnny Gosh. And there was actually a third boy that disappeared that looked almost exactly like Johnny. Um, he was 13. I can't remember his name. He wasn't a paper boy, um, but he told his mom he was going to leave to go to his friend's house. And he never showed up at his friend's house, never made it back home. Um, him and Eugene Martin both disappeared within a mile of each other. So... So if Eugene and this and this other kid, which uh, again I can't remember his name, are connected um, to each other, right? They're probably connected to each other, but then that could mean that they're also connected to Johnny. We don't know. Mm -hmm. um, so in 1985, a dollar bill surfaces, okay, and it and it has writing on it, and it says, "I am alive, Johnny Gosh." And Noreen goes crazy. She knows it. She knows her son is alive. And, um, you know, she starts really, I mean, really, you know, pushing it like this is a thing. Um, in 1985, Noreen got pushed over the edge uh, again in 1985, actually, same year as the dollar, got pushed over the edge <clears throat> when a gentleman by the name of Robert Meyer um, told her that I have information about your son and I will give it to you if you give me $11,000. Mm, fucking scumbag. Yeah. And they did, right? They they gave him the eleven thousand dollars. And um, so he said, uh, well, I was a guard at this motorcycle club, and your son was kidnapped and brought to that motor motorcycle club and sold into sex trafficking. He was sold as a child sex slave. And would not give any more details than that until they gave him a hundred thousand dollars. Okay. Well, they um did not get the chance they were going to give him the money they were more than happy to do it but the police kind of in, you know intercepted this whole ordeal and arrested mr meyer um right in buffalo and uh, found out that he was some 19 year old kid okay 
So for him to say, and this is what, three years later, right? For him to say that he was a, a guard at this motorcycle club, you know, he would have been like 16. It was very unlikely that he was part of any right. motorcycle club. Um, so they arrested him and um, charged him with, um, it was like some type of fraud, some type of money laundering, some type of, you know, something, um, which rightfully so, the guy's an asshole. But Nor- Noreen, she was thought that this was true. She was convinced that this was true um, just because of, you know, the woman in Tulsa that claimed to see her son and those claims the dollar bill. Um, Sam Soda was talking a lot about these pedophile rings and she was like, oh, my God, my son's alive. You know, she had some type of hope. Um, things weren't made much easier in 1988 when a, a letter was typed up and sent to the gosh home that was from Johnny that said, you know, things like I, I'm, I, I can't ever come home. I don't, I don't look the same. You know, I don't know exactly what the letter said. I think it is probably somewhere you could read it online. Um, but you know, he cataloged some terrible things that it was he was doing. They were, making porn they were you know being prostituted out things like that um then just you know wanted to you wanted to touch base and let his family know he was okay and it was you know signed your son you know your your son johnny gosh and noreen 100 percent believes that's from johnny are, are you with me so far i'm right there because it's getting ready to get fucking nuts <laughs> okay so, so far to me, okay, at this point in the story, everything just sounds like people taking advantage of this poor, this poor woman. Right. Right. Yeah. That's how I feel. I mean, this is big news. She, they, they were out everywhere. She was everywhere and she hated the police and, you know, she was really trying to find her son, which understandable, you know, it's your child. You're going to do everything that you can, but it seems like people i don't like the dollar bill thing well anybody could have done that right and he was the first milk carton kid right like where they put the kid's face on the back of a milk carton have you seen me him and eugene martin were the second and the third okay mm-hmm. yeah they were but they were one of the first that's correct yeah um so you know that was started and then uh they also eventually uh noreen fought enough she got funds from the united states government to create the um, national center for missing and exploited Ch- children right is, is where this so it's a, i mean it's a it's a big case um you know but yeah like i said the dollar bill anybody could have done that um the type letter anybody could have done that you know people report seeing people that are missing all the time and you know it ends up well that person was dead in a ditch this whole time so it wasn't them you know that happens mm-hmm. um well things got really weird when a guy by the name of paul bonacci bonacci mm-hmm. When he came forward and was the witness to something entirely fucking different, (laughs) something just not even related at all, or at least we thought not related to any of this. Um, Paul was being held on charges of his own. He was a sex offender himself, but he was, he was a young guy, he's 21. And Paul started um, spinning a lot of yarns about how he had been sexually exploited his entire life his entire life and not just that but the people that he was being sexually exploited by were people in power and as a matter of fact 
it's all tied to this Franklin sex ring thing. Right. Yeah. That is a whole other thing. That's a whole other conspiracy. <laughs> so that just, do you want me to do like five yeah, seconds on that? Notes, yeah, so, <clears throat> all right. So what happened with that was there was a, um, a, uh, politician by the name of um larry king not that larry king but a different larry king who was um and he was a uh, republican uh chairman of the national black republican council sang the national anthem at the 1984 republican national convention known for extravagant spending throwing hundred thousand dollar parties and in April of 1988, the FBI raided his bank and charged King with embezzling nearly $40 million. And when they started going through his books, they saw that he was the um, he had ties to an o- Omaha, Nebraska-based prostitution ring. And he was the general manager of the Franklin Federal Credit Union, right? So Republican politician based out of nebraska general manager of the franklin credit union gets raided by the fbi and they found that he had been um he had financial dealings with known sex traffickers as well as boys town a nationally renowned orphanage okay and people started coming forward saying that they were part of the Boys Town system, including Bonacci. Yeah. And that they had been flown to Chicago, New York, Washington, D.C. to participate in pedophilic orgies. Right. And that sometimes they would, like, fucking kill, like, the other kids and shit. Yes. Bonacci had crazy, uh, you know, when you look up this guy and look at, like, some of the other things, you know, that I was saying, it would be, like, snuff films. Yes. And there's YouTube videos of the interviews with him as well. Yeah. So the Senate hired a private investigator by the name of Gary Caridori to separate the wheat from the traffic pile evidence. He was a former state trooper. Was working as a private investigator. He drew up 60 potential drip leads for 60 potential victims and conducted videotaped interviews that added up to 21 hours of testimony. Yeah. In July of 1990, while allegedly in possession of photographs that he had gotten from a source of King's sex parties, his plane blew up over Illinois. Him and his eight-year-old son were killed and all the evidence was lost. Yeah, this is uh, a topic worthy of its own episode. So, uh, well, I well, <laughs> part of it. So, <laughs> I'm just gonna say it, it all ties back to Gacy too. So, um, but yeah, we will let's let's rewind a little bit. We will get there. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm, I'm I'm almost at the prompt for Gacy. Okay. Um, <laughs> because Paul has direct ties to Gacy, so <laughs> right. You know. Um, so. Okay, so this guy, Paul, okay, he's sitting in jail and he starts talking to his lawyer about all these things. And somehow they get on the topic of Johnny Gosh. Actually, I think it was Paul who initially brought up this kid, Johnny. I don't even think he said Johnny. I don't even know if he said his name or not. Um, Paul mentioned that he was with another individual in Iowa at that date and time and helped kidnap a paper boy and 
<clears throat> Jesus, I'm having this damn frog man. I swear. <laughs> he's uh he's getting to me. Anyway. So he so he said that he helped kidnap a paper boy. So the lawyer is like, well, was it this paper boy? And sent, and shows him a picture of Johnny Gosh and he says, "Yes, that's him." And not only did I help kidnap him, but as a matter of fact, um I saw him again later on, you know, just just a little bit ago. And uh so they were they were kind of on top of it. Now so okay, so he the family wasn't initially informed about this. Actually, the dad was. Now, they had a different private investigator at the time, someone else that they had hired. He came in and, and let Mr. Mr. Gosh know what was going on. I think his name's Johnny also, John, John Sr. And uh, he let him know what was going on. But John did not tell Nor- Nor- Noreen. He didn't want to tell her what was going on because she was already so convinced that her son was sold in sex slavery that he, I guess, didn't want to upset her. We don't really know. Uh, who knows? And actually, I don't think he ever did tell her. I believe it was the private investigator who let the beans spill on that. Um, but John Sr. goes and talks to Paul. He has a meeting with him, and as soon as he walked in, before he even said who he was, Paul was like, oh my gosh, you look exactly like like johnny and he knew <laughs> who he was okay so he sits down with paul and they're just talking about you know again some of these things that you know they they did with these kids you know the pornography and the stuff and the things like that and johnny's alive and you know well he wanted they needed information i mean how how could they know he was telling the truth well he, um, paul accurately named several scars that johnny had including his his famous birthmark on his chest now the birthmark had been disclosed in the news before but some of the other stuff didn't like how he had a scar on his tongue from his, his tongue being burned mm-hmm. um and I, I apparently johnny had this like specific stammer that he kind of stuttered a lot when he was very upset and uh paul mentioned that so uh john senior wanted to kind of test paul and see you know how this was possible or you know see if you know what kind of ties he had well at that point in time the family was already very suspicious of this sam soda character so he slips a photo of sam soda to the lawyer um they have paul pick out a lineup because paul had like told a story about how they were getting a kid for some man specifically to purchase okay he was with a nefarious character i don't remember his name um and another guy was wanting to purchase the kidnapped child from them well, he had a series of photograph photographs from different kids, and he had one of Johnny, and that's the one that he wanted. And so that's their target. They were already planning on picking on getting this kid. When he picked out who that person was in the lineup, he perfectly pinpointed Sam Soda and called him Sam. He said, "That's Sam. That's him. That's the guy." And none of this information had been out to the public, really. I mean, none of the Sam Soda stuff was out there. There's no way that he would have known who this guy was otherwise. Well, so, yeah. So this all kind of happens. Now, again, Paul is an interesting guy. He has been uh, diagnosed with, um, well, multiple personality disorder, but the correct term is dissociative identity disorder. Um, He definitely has a lot of mental issues. um, But he... I mean, he was pinpointing a lot of the stuff. Now, um, the contrary to that, his siblings came forward and said that it couldn't have been Paul 
because Paul was home during that time. He wasn't out running around with a sex ring. He was home when, when Johnny was abducted. Um, but Paul disagrees. Um, Paul was featured on an episode of Unsolved Mysteries where he went to this the house that he had seen Johnny at later. That house, turns out, was owned by a convicted sex offender and, and pedophile, actually. <laughs> um and i don't remember that guy's name but you know he says he was a part of it um and then also paul's stepfather this is where it gets really fucking weird paul's stepfather was the was the father of john wayne gacy's first victim yes yeah (laughs) so and we've talked about gacy before Right, and there's another connection to so this this is where it gets so confusing. So just like let's reiterate that for a second. That John Wayne Gacy's friend, right? Because that's why he was able to get away with killing that first kid because he was giving the kid a ride to like tap dance school or some shit, right? A dance competition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. All right. Him and Gacy had, uh, they both worked at the same flea market or fucking whatever, right? One of his sons gets killed by Gacy. The other one of his sons is a famous sex trafficking victim. You know what I mean? Like, what are the fucking chances? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely not yeah very small chances now it is are you important, ready to talk? oh it is important to note this okay? okay so i mean if you are very curious about the deep dive on gacy and you have not listened to the john wayne gacy episode that we did you absolutely need to go listen to that it is a damn good episode um very interesting just for again cliff notes some of the things uh one of the victims that survived said that there was more than one people attacking him it wasn't just wasn't just gacy gacy had said that other people were involved but there was never anything that came out of that but gacy was apprehended in 1978 and that is as before johnny gosh went missing he went missing in 1982 so it's it so it's not gacy that abducted him but that doesn't mean that there couldn't potentially be some type of tie there well there was the delta um was it the delta project or something yeah with with uh with david norman john david norman yeah and that's a whole <laughs> again that's another episode and eventually i think we should we should cover it but that is somebody so john john david norman was uh and this is not this is not conjecture this is actually proven he was running one of the biggest organized biggest known organized pedophile rings um in the 70s and he was doing it through the classified ads of gay newspapers and he was even doing it from prison at some point and when the police raided his apartment in new york and i believe he had residencies in chicago and actually homewood which isn't too far from me um they had he had boxes filled with index cards which were all he had some of them were potential clients people that he had done business with and the other one was like kids like stock that he had and he had the kids hidden in different parts of the country 
and they would be they you know this was before internet this is where they literally needed to be trafficked by people right they needed you needed a, the kid was in ohio right now um fucking around with some police chief and when he was done in ohio they had to get him up to grand rapids because he was gonna be at some party or something right so it was it was it was fucking underground railroad right for these kids and somebody that was one of his that claims to be one of his victims is the uh and i'm gonna screw up his name it's not bonaducci <laughs> but <laughs> What's his name? Baducci? Bonacci? Bonacci. I just and, call him Paul. <laughs> yeah. Bonacci. Bonacci gives an interview that you can find on, on YouTube where he talks about being a part of this organization and seeing the index cards and, and what the what the system meant. And the police found this when they raided when they raided uh, John David Norman's um residencies they found all this information they never released who belongs to any of it and it was kind of like the precursor of the epstein flight logs you know what i mean it's right. like you know the, the, the epsteins were uh arrested for trafficking to who to nobody right there's no right. so and that and that was kind of the situation where they ended up putting norman in jail for sodomy or something because they had proved that he had had gay sex once and that was enough to throw him in jail back then. <laughs> but they, they didn't really like they couldn't really get him on all this other stuff because what a fucking time to be alive where you can fucking be convicted for sodomy but not for child sex trafficking <laughs> oh it's like getting, it's like getting capone for tax evasion it's a very right. chicago way to go about things right yeah, <laughs> so, you know so yeah Bonacci has a, i mean it sounds crazy the things that he said sounded absolutely ridiculous and there are people that that question whether or not the lawyer kind of coached him into some of these confessions <clears throat> or if the guy really is on to something um the lawyer definitely could have disclosed information to him that wasn't made public and coached him into some type of confession some type of story but you know the fact remains that like i said when his information is tested it's been proven every time <laughs> you know so how the fuck did he pick out sam soda how would he do that unless he was specifically told to do that? Right. And then if he's if he is specifically told to do that, well, what the hell did this lawyer have to gain from all of this? That's a whole nother story. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, why was he doing this to this, you know, mentally ill individual? Um, but for the most part, people believe Paul's um, you know, account of things and you know, kind of how that works. So um for the most part. I think I'm kind of done with the details on that. Is there anything I'm missing related to that, that, that per, the particular ring? Because my next thing is the meeting, is the visit. Um, no, I have an anecdote that I want to throw in at the end about stuff because I did I ever did I ever tell you the story about working in the hotel industry and the kid that I used to come across? I don't think so. Uh, I'm just going to get this out real quick. So I used to work in the hotel industry for about 11 years and um there was a uh and this was before now human trafficking uh like awareness training is part of every major hotel brand right this is something that you have to do when you get hired something you have to do once a year when you're watching your don't fuck your coworkers videos don't make fat jokes around fat people shit like that right how to spot human trafficking back then it wasn't a thing right 
And there was this, uh, I'd say, man in his early 60s and a younger man that was a teenager <clears throat> that would stay at the hotel that I worked at rather frequently. And I always remembered them because whenever they came in town, the son would have a PlayStation, I don't know, let's say a PlayStation 3 or whatever it was back then. It might have been a 4. He had a gaming system that he would always need help hooking up to the TV. So they'd always call me up to the room to give him a hand with it, right? And, um, you know, the first time you wouldn't you wouldn't think anything of it. But, like, the fifth time you start to remember these people because it's such a – you don't get that request that often. And it was always these people. And it was always this guy in his 60s with this kid staying in a king-size bed suite and – hooking up the PlayStation. And, um, you know, at the time when I was doing it, the more I started to see these people, it seemed odd. Um, the kid seemed, he, I'd have to communicate with him. Like, well, do you have an HDMI cord or like bubble? You know what I mean? Cause like you're setting it up with him, and he was very awkward to talk to. Um, almost like he wasn't used to talking to people and my exchange between me and him was very, um, kind of forced or like it, it was not a normal exchange that you would have with a person. Right. Sure. Also, they would stay a lot and it would be like in the middle of the week, it would be like on a Tuesday night. Right. Whereas this kid should have been in school or something. You know what I mean? Like, why wasn't he? You know, this wasn't just a weekend. It wasn't like, oh, they'd always come by and it would be Friday night and we'd be setting up and they'd be staying for the weekend. It was always um, it was always in the middle of the week. And they had accents, too, that I would describe as being not necessarily uh, southern accents, but definitely rural accents. Like, they weren't from Chicago. They weren't from the Midwest. Maybe they were from North Dakota, South Dakota, Nebraska, Omaha, something like that, right? And once again, at the time that I think it was weird a little bit, but nothing, nothing too nefarious, I guess I'd say, but in retrospect, I wouldn't be surprised that kid was being trafficked. Ooh. Well, I and mean? I mean, right. Because teenagers can be kind of weird. So like when you talk to them, I mean, I don't know, I guess he I wasn't that much of a teenager. That. He had to be like 13, 14 ish. He was a little bit older, but he wasn't. Yeah. I don't know. And the, the old guy, he was always there. He was always like in the background, just kind of funneling around. And, you know, he never left the room with the two of us or he never the kid never called me up there when the kid was by himself. He was just this older man's travel companion and this king size and this king size suite with one bed. And, um, you know, they would come through the Chicagoland area. I mean, I probably, like I said, I I worked there seven years, but at that specific location, seven years, but I probably saw them at least five times. So they came by maybe once a year or something. And who knows how many times they came through and I didn't run into them. I don't know. Yeah, true. But it was very bizarre. And in retrospect, after doing enough of these stories, maybe I'm connecting dots where there are no dots there, but it sounds like it could have been something where it could have been a trafficking situation. Gross. Yeah, very gross. You know. Very gross. Well, well. Anyway, so that's uh, it. Could have been Johnny Gosh. Um, it, it wasn't, but <laughs> no, <laughs> it was too young. No. Um, 
but yeah so you know again uh, okay i'm not gonna get there yet okay let's just keep moving forward because it just there's still more there's still more you guys it's not even there's still more <laughs> so um okay uh march of 1997 let's get into this one fucking weirdest thing so far uh the night that he came home johnny that is uh johnny came and uh well noreen was uh awakened at 2 30 in the morning um by a knock at the door and there's her son she says um he at this time would be 27 and he was accompanied by another young man she said his hair was dyed black but it was it was definitely him um they sat down and chit-chatted for about an hour an hour and a half what seems to be the story here is that him and I think four others are are in the sex ring, okay, and they were able to steal a car and get away. So he can't stay for long and he, you know, it can't tell her all the details, but he's there and he wanted to see her and let her know that he was okay. Um, the man, the other man, his name was never disclosed or anything like that. Um, again, they stayed for an hour and a half and then he left. What do you think about that one, Pato? I don't know. Why? I mean, well, I think either the mom's making it up. I don't think it was. There, there's a lot of there's a lot of weird aspects to that. Um, did the mom imagine it? Yeah, some people did, think that she may have dreamt it. Right? Did the mom imagine it? If the kid really did, why wouldn't they stay there? Why wouldn't they? Why'd they have to stay on the run? Right. That does, and why would you stay for an hour and a half, if, if at all? Um, right. Especially because, like, they said that initially when they stole the car, they'd been staying at somebody else's, another kid's family member's house for, like, four days. And then also, so if if these kids had escaped, well, now they're adults, but if they, you know, these, these kids had escaped and were visiting their family members and touching base with them, why didn't other reports come out about that? why why didn't that the kid that was with him yeah why, why didn't his parents come out and say hey guess what our son came by you know that's there's there's a certain there's there's so much to this story that i think could occupy itself in the realm of just like i hate to say it but like the, what is it about this narrative that some people are attracted to it's it's so horrific yeah it's so gruesome it's so like inconceivable and yet we love to conceive it we love to think about it um if i was a parent this would be the last thing that i'd want i'd be praying that my kid was dead i'd I'd rather think that a thunderbird fucking picked him up i agree flew off with yeah then he's being passed around this fucking sex circuit and living a you life know, with secrecy forever yeah like oh, why man. like why if you don't have definitive proof why would you be like i just know my johnny's getting fucked somewhere like that's terrible yeah that why, is terrible. why would you bend over backwards to su- subscribe to that when there's really not concrete evidence to suggest that but it could have also now again this is 1997 this is 15 years after johnny went missing and at this point in time noreen had become a huge voice in these missing kids and 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 pushing this narrative of of the pedo ring okay so she had become a kind of a celebrity in and of herself somebody very well could have pretended to be johnny and showed up at her house 
That's true. And and that's the thing too, is that you kind of open yourself up to that when you become that much of a figure is that people do want to come after you for money. They do want to come after you to try to shake down. Now, I don't know. And the fact that when, you know, you look, you talk about in the nineties now, but when this whole thing initially went down, we were, we were in the middle of the satanic panic with the, you know, with the daycare scandals and the, oh, yeah. the fucking D and D and heavy metal music and all this shit. So like there was, I don't know, maybe a propensity to, to want to believe these type of stories. It was something that we were all afraid of. I mean, someone took the kid. It's not like he evaporated. Right. But, could he be a part of this grand design or, or or maybe he's just done it in a blue barrel somewhere buried in someone's backyard yeah we'll, we'll we'll kind of kind of get there a little bit more i got a lot more to say about noreen noreen okay mrs Go ahead. mrs gosh right because then what's interesting is that so that happened in 97 in 2006 september 2006 almost the anniversary uh to to johnny's disappearance um photos were left at noreen's doorstep remember that photo pato told you not to not to google um (laughs) (laughs) well that was one of them um there was more okay so there were a total of three photographs two of which featured uh children being bound and gagged um the third one being like what looked like a dead body and i can't find that fourth one but it was like the dead body of a grown man okay now when she gave these to the police okay the police received an anonymous letter from someone else that said listen those photos because these photos ended up going to the media i mean everybody shared it shared them everywhere and she was like that's him that's my son my son's in that picture okay and um when it went to the media somebody wrote into the police department and said listen i am from florida okay and these photos originated from here and they are from 1978 they've been investigated already and cleared it was just a bunch of kids trying to play some weird escape game and so the sheriff's office there in des moines got a hold of the sheriff's sheriff's office where the claim was coming from they got a hold of the detective that worked on the case nelson zelva and nelson did verify that yes these photographs are of these particular kids I did receive them. I did investigate them back in 1978. It's nothing. It's that's not Johnny. These were just kids having fun. Mm-hmm. But at this point, who knows? You know if that's true or not. Um, but I mean, just because of all the weird, you know, I mean, if the big pedo rings to be believed, then how can we trust that these weren't legitimate photos? <clears throat> I, you know. I don't know. That's so evil, though, to do to a woman. Like, when you think about it, like, think, that's not a joke. That's not a prank. Like, think about how fucked up that is. But think about all the stuff that, let's just pretend he's dead. Kid, let's just pretend Johnny went and disappeared that day in 1982 and he's dead that day. Then think about all the other stuff that people have done to this woman. It is cruel, but, I mean, she just seems like a victim of that. She wants to believe so badly that he's alive that she she believes that those are pictures of her son now but some of those people had motivation some of those people were trying to get money or they were jailhouse confessions because they were trying to get maybe uh, something knocked off their sentence or they wanted to seem like cooperating witnesses or who knows what right but something done that's done anonymously like that 
that's just fucking with someone for the sake of fucking with them. Like, oh, yeah, I right. could see, I could see, like, hey, this is the chance to make eleven grand. I mean, I'm not saying I condone that, but that I could wrap my head around that. That makes sense to me. But, but we're just going to drop these pictures anonymous, anonymously off on this woman's doorstep, and then go hide behind the bushes as she opens the door, looks at them, and then fucking screams or like that's. I guess, but if we if, if we can if we can concede that we live in a world where there's pedophile rings in the first place, and we realize that that kind of evil exists, then like how much of it is a head scratcher that there's people that would get their kicks just fucking torturing this lady? But this is, I mean, this was in the year two thousand six, okay, and during that time, the internet was very well known for ruining people's lives just because. Right. Yeah. We we have very well documented documented cases of individuals who have killed themselves because of internet bullying and, and harassment. Um, <laughs> worse things than that. I mean, you know. So I mean, it sucks, but I really wouldn't put it past some some jack off on the internet just talking about this on a four chan message board and going, you know what? I'm gonna find that lady. I got these pictures here. I'm gonna find that lady's address and send these pictures to her. You know. Yeah. And like I said, it's shitty, but that is believable that it's fake um so that was like the last major uh thing that happened with this another thing i want to sidebar on for a minute is the jeff gannon conspiracy did you come across this pattern no i i, I can't keep these fucking names straight it's i wish that i was like i wish i was watching this documentary and they gave people like colored hats and we should have like, done that i mean honestly like <laughs> i didn't realize how deep all this was um we probably should have been researching this like months ago to really get the I full mean, we need to use like legos like we need to like be like okay like <laughs> this is this is john norman this is john wayne gacy right this is fucking what's his name uh the Paskey guy that was the Phil Paskey, who yeah. was a lifeguard for the city of Chicago. Like, so I don't think that this one in particular ha- holds any water. However, there are some weird things to it. And I'm like I said, just kind of an honorable mention. There are some people who think that Jeff Gannon is Johnny Gosh. Jeff Gannon was the White House was White House press representative during the Bush administration. OK, so he's like a man in politics. And this was like a big fucking thing, like to the point to where like he was very aware of the rumors going on because this man came and came into the White House as a as a press representative and nobody really knew where he came from. He had no history, no background, but he had visited the White House multiple, multiple, multiple times (laughs) and nobody really understood what he was doing there up until he became the the, press representative. Okay, some people say that he looks like Johnny, that he um it lines up right the the dates that he was born or how old he is lines up with johnny um he again has a very weird history nobody really knows who his family is where he's from anything like that um and you know it got so big that there people would have this man on like fox news and shit and they'd be demanding him take a dna test to prove that he's not johnny gosh and he never did he never did. He kept saying that he would take one, but then he never did. So <laughs> it's kind of a weird thing, you know, and who knows? Some people think that maybe it's because he, you know, he didn't really disclose much information, you know, because he um, maybe did have something to hide in his past, but not necessarily that it's he's Johnny. Um, mm. But maybe there was something else. I mean, that 
when I came across this, okay, and it's a big one, and this <laughs> there's a whole, there's a whole Reddit <laughs> about Johnny. Gosh, go check that shit out. I'm telling you, um, but uh, they have a whole website of like timelines, and I mean, there's an actual website of like just Johnny Gosh, and it's crazy. Um, but when I came across this whole thing, I was like, you know what? I have already <laughs> hit my limit at the, at yeah, the, the whole. I'm Googling the Jeff Gannon thing now, and, and Vanity Fair has a fairly uh, informative article written about it. Um, yeah, he's a hack. He's a fake. But I think it's just one of those things where, I mean, who was the Theranos chick, right? That 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 blonde, that hot blonde that faked the blood testing thing. Remember that? That was just in the news. You know what I'm talking about, right? No, I don't, but, you know. Okay. Oh, my God. Don't make it don't me matter. That up. Theranos. Hold on. It's going to take two seconds. I just watched the show with uh with uh with my wife uh Elizabeth Ann Holmes, right? She's the hot blonde that um said that she had she created this device that could test blood for millions of uh, not millions but like hundreds of different things, right? And it was a device that they put in Walgreens and it it pricks your finger and it collects the blood sample and then they can do all this testing with it. And it was bullshit. The technology didn't exist. It was a lie. They just she she faked the results. She fooled the investors. People wanted to believe her because she was this sexy blonde chick that wore black turtlenecks like Steve Jobs. And eventually it caught up with her and all came crashing down. Jeff Gannon seems like the same thing. I don't I don't think he's like a resurfaced like sex trafficker. Why would you do that? Why why would you take one of your victims and then make him stand up in front of the press every night? Is that like a Not testament that he's to, the sex trafficker. He is Johnny Gosh. He's the sex That's what trafficker. I mean. That's what I mean. Yeah. Why would you take someone who had been ritualistically abused for decades and then give him the job of White House press secretary where his whole entire job is to get up in front of reporters and not talk about how he was fucked in the ass for 35 years? Like, I guess if you want a testament to how good your conditioning and brainwashing is, there'd be no better thing than that. But it also seems like entirely risky, you know, but like, why would you get what it's like, put the, put the microphone in front of the sex trafficking victim, but don't get them, but you know, trust they won't say anything. I agree. It's, it, it would be a bold move um, to me. That's, and that's why kind of, he just take a DNA test to prove that he wasn't. Oh, because he's probably, who knows what the fuck that dude's hiding. I, I honestly, I haven't spent more than three minutes looking at the Jeff Gannon thing, so I don't want to comment on it too much, but yeah. I think that it, it talks about one of the holes in this story in general is that listen let's pretend that you're the type of organization that kidnaps young boys so that they can be sexually abused and sometimes killed for the sake of other rich people right why would you let any of these people grow past 17 yeah i agree the second the second they're fucking their butt wears out or they know too much or they seem too much why the fuck would you let them live yeah. The idea that Johnny Johnny Gosh is out there somewhere forty something years old. No, why, why, why would they live for that? Why would they be allowed to live that long? Yeah. We've already established how cheap human life is to these people. Just kill them. That's yeah. how you get away with things. You just fucking kill them. You don't let a bunch of them drive around and fucking. It's just that's where it starts to fall apart for me. You know. I think that's yeah. that's the only thing about this that well, doesn't seem very believable. And so Noreen <clears throat> is still out there. Okay, she's still fighting the good fight. But let me ask you this: If your son visited you and told you that he was alive, why are you still looking for him? 
like if that actually happened and you believe that that's what happened why would you still be looking for him i mean i understand like putting out something you know every little bit and being like oh we love you but she's still like looking for evidence like they just made this uh documentary in 2015 um called who took johnny and i mean the whole point of it was to get his face out there um she's still doing like making them do renditions of him now that he's old but she's fucking crazy <laughs> okay so she is she is a very she's a q QAnon supporter okay she is well makes sense i mean makes sense yeah i mean she thinks that you know the rich are, are you know sucking up adrenochrome from the children um type of QAnon supporter you know she's all about the satanic panic um which you know we know is bullshit i mean <laughs> frankly you know and and people were um convicted and ostracized and uh things like that over things that weren't real um you know she's very much lost her fucking mind now let me say something about this woman i will say this because yeah she's nuts right i kind of don't blame her um before she got together with johnny's right. father she had already had like some trauma on of her own um she actually had has two older kids uh besides johnny so they um they actually were hit with a really bad tornado as a matter of fact um her children were, were caught up in that tornado and they lived they did survive um but i mean it was a devastating type of situation and then just a couple of weeks after they lose everything from this tornado her husband died and then she went on to go remarry and try to rebuild her life and then she has this you know this other child and this you know they're living their life it's good and then he gets abducted you know and then on top of that all the other shit that followed that abduction right i mean if we, if we think that these are people that just were messing with her you know she thinks that uh she doesn't think um but there is some conspiracy that his dad was involved in it johnny's dad was, I was involved gonna in say it. especially after the gacy thing mm -hmm. yeah they where, thought that where you have someone that's playing this yeah that he knew he purposefully did not go with johnny the one time he didn't go with johnny and he was abducted hmm you know purposefully did not go with him so that you know he was at the mark right when the people came and abducted him um and you know some people think that he was he had to have been in on it in order for that to happen um here's what i think here here's here's where i think johnny is okay because this seems a lot more plausible than any of the other stuff that the man is still alive he's not i don't think so i think that he was abducted that day and he was raped and killed that day and he was his body is living in a shallow grave somewhere then he'll probably never be found that's what i think yeah, yeah. and i think that's what happened to those other kids too i think there probably wasn't active um pedophile slash you know weirdo in the area he killed a couple of the kids who knows maybe died maybe didn't there is another suspect that people think could be the guy um who's responsible for it <clears throat> but i didn't want to mention his name he is dead now but i you know he didn't have any family he was a pedophile as a convicted sex offender and he did own a house with a lot of property on it um he did end up moving at some point out of uh des moines and went to i think kansas or something um and there he's got maybe some suspicions over there but he died and and people stopped getting molested and disappearing and he's probably the guy but i i don't want to name him because i don't know what kind of family members he's got out there still just in case um 
you know, but I, I think that's what happened. I think he was killed that day. And I think that's when it ended. And I hope that's what happened. I mean, as crazy as that sounds, I, because I agree with Pat O, I would hate to think that my child would go on to live that kind of life. I'd rather them just be dead. Right. I agree. I mean, this, if something like this happened to one of my kids, I'd go crazy. Exactly. I, I, I'd I'm go absolutely Marine. crazy. And I think the mom, you know, her, her hysteria, I mean, if, it looks like she was able to channel some good out of it. Um, one of the first things you mentioned about uh, the police and how they handled it back then, that was the whole, and if you watch old enough movies, you see this brought up from time to time. You used to have to wait till someone was missing for 72 hours before you could yeah. report them. And it's not like that anymore with kids. No. You can start looking immediately. So um, and people don't know that still. Yeah, that would, I mean, that was, you, you. I remember when I was younger, I would see it in TV shows and movies where right. they would, that would be a thing and that's not a thing anymore not a thing anymore that's for the best so there was a lot of this was a tragedy she was able to weaponize the tragedy and made a lot of changes that needed to be made um you know the whole it's it's weird that we keep coming back to this pedophile ring thing there's certain aspects of it that we know are true that we know are true right yes Mm-hmm. And there's stuff that we don't know, but there's still a lot that we don't know. And what's unfortunate is that, you know, the police don't seem to always do their job. But yeah. I think that the police in general don't always seem to do their job. So I don't know if it's necessarily them turning a blind eye to these things or if it's just the casual ineptitude that you see the police exhibit from time to time. Um, you know, and as a parent, it's your biggest fear. So it's something that is like a dog whistle to you. Uh, you hear this stuff being talked about. You hear about these cases. Your mouth goes dry. You immediately tense up because you think, oh, my God, what about my kid? Oh, my God, what if this happened to my kid? Yeah. And um, that's why I think these stories will always live on. And they'll always be things that people talk about and are fascinated by because most of us out there are parents and we can appreciate this and we can, we can, you know, we, it's like, it's like a real life horror movie that we get to watch that we could potentially be a part of one day. Why do people like horror movies in general? It's horrific stuff. It's because there's something we like being scared. We like being, uh, you know, and these stories scare us as parents and not necessarily, even if you're not a parent, even if you're just a, a decent human being, right. this stuff <laughs> should give you the heebie jeebies. Yeah. So, um, you know, there's a, but there's a lot here. There's a lot here, especially with the Gacy connections and the different pedophile rings and the Franklin, uh, Franklin credit union. Like there's stuff, there's stuff that we know is true. And you can kind of draw lines between them. Yeah, I agree. And that I don't think has ever been fully explored. And there's a reason why. And I don't know if we know what that reason is. And I I hate to to be super topical and of the moment, but look at the Epstein stuff. Right. We know this stuff is possible. And we we know and, and that it just goes away. Right. And it doesn't get examined. And why not? Yeah. Why not? You know, why not? And and there's a there's an answer to that question. And we don't know what it is. We can't say definitively what it is. Is it because this is much larger than what we are that what we can find out it is? And then 
And as much as we laugh about the satanic connections and the satanic panic stuff, take it a step further, though. If we know this stuff is real and we know that these large scale operations exist and we know that they somehow they persist, they continue and they go uninterrupted. And when there is a snag, when someone does get caught, it gets handled as discreetly as possible what is this all about? Is it just about fucking 10 year old boy ass or is it about something else? Is this just about sex? Is this just about sex? Something this devious, something this potentially dangerous, something this devastating to people. Is this just about sex or is it about something else that we can't even conceptualize because we don't fully understand the rules to the game? And I think that's why people bring in all this crazy supernatural shit, right? The adrenochrome, the 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 satanic sacrifice, the the Moloch. The Moloch isn't a fucking god or ball worship or whatever. You know what I mean? They, they, whatever, whatever weird conspiracy they tie it into. Like, I'm not saying I think any of those are necessarily true, but I get why. Because your average person can't conceptualize why something this why something this big, this well organized would operate in secret. What would the need for it be? Is it just about sex? Yeah, I agree. And if it is just about sex, then wow, there's that many people out there. There's that many pedophiles out there. Or is it that pedophiles aren't born, they're created? You know what I mean? Are they born that way or is it it a, a... predilection that you develop over time well both um you know i think i mean i don't know i ain't trying to answer that fucking question i'm yeah. just saying like this is this is where this is why i don't like doing these episodes <laughs> some of that, i mean some of that stuff can be easily answered i mean look how people look at situations like banging underage girls i mean just look at like age gaps right it's fucking wrong for well, let's even flip-flop the roles, just so people don't try to be like, oh, women think that way. It's wrong for a 50-year-old woman to go after a 21-year-old boy. It's wrong. It's incorrect. Your brain is not fully developed until, well, after you're 25. <laughs> At least 25, right? But people, a lot of people think that's okay because it's legal and it's fine. So it's fine, right? It's fine. Well, what about early 20-year-old somethings banging 16-year-olds? That's still not fine. It's not fine for a female teacher to bang her male student. Those things are not okay. I agree. I agree. Those things aren't okay, but we live in a society where, like, people high-five over that shit. You know, you see a news article about, like, a, a teacher getting caught banging her student, and all the guys in the in the, the comments are like, hell yeah, brother. I mean, they're all excited. That's not okay. Like, that, that's sick. So we are already, as a society, we just, like, are not there yet to understand, like, what the limits are. And so, like, you're already sitting on that weird... I mean, that's not a gray area. The 21-year-old and the 50-year-old thing, to me, is not a gray area, but to a lot of people, is a gray area, okay, still. But, you know, you're already sitting on, like, this weird gray area, so, like, where do you keep pushing it? It's deviancy. It's it's a need to, to be deviant. And I, that is where this stems from. I don't, I don't know. Because, so, there was, there was a bar by my house that we used to drink at called BG Fellows, and BG Fellows was notorious because it was... It was known as the sophisticated night spot, and um, it was basically like a wedding party gone wrong. You would have uh, 40 and 50-year-old divorcees, uh, men and women, and you'd also have kids that were 21. So, you know, 
we'd go there and I knew just as many stories about 22 year old girls going home and fucking 45 year old divorced firemen as I do 25 year old guys going in there and, and going home and fucking 47 year old divorced housewives. Right. Um, and yeah, was, is, is there a kink to that? Yes, you're right. You know what I mean? You want to call it deviancy, yeah, a little bit of a kink. I'm sure it's, you know, the, the chicks want to get railed by someone hot and young. Maybe the guys had a little bit of a mommy fetish. I don't fucking know. Did the girls have a daddy fetish when they were getting banged by a firefighter with gray hair? Probably. You know, did the firefighter enjoy the fact that he was banging a chick with a non 40 year old pussy? Okay. Right. But all of that stuff. As much, and I'm not kink shaming, so be careful because you're getting close to kink shaming there. All that stuff is consensual. All that stuff is legal. Are there age gaps? Yeah. But all of that is still vastly fucking different than kidnapping 10-year-old paper boys in the middle of Iowa, right? Like, light years. And, and I think that you can have an age play kink and not necessarily become a pedophile. You can't have an age play kink until you are... Your brain is at a point where it can understand the decision that it's making. That's the part of the brain that the part that hasn't developed yet is the part of the brain that makes you be an impulsive teenager and make bad, rash decisions. I'm talking about everyone over 18. I'm talking about everyone over 18. That's correct, Pato. Everyone over 18 until their brain fully develops has that bad impulse control because their prefrontal cortex has not developed yet and it fucks with your decision-making skills. You should not, anybody over the age of a certain age should not be going after anybody younger than a certain age because of that. And the fact that people just act like, well, it's okay because people do it and it's illegal. That's what I'm saying. You're right. That is different from kidnapping 10 year old boys and you know doing whatever it is different but not really because that's the slippery slope that leads you there it's a gateway drug to uh, <laughs> it is though i'm not just pulling this out of my ass i promise you there have been scientific studies on it i promise you <laughs> it's out there but that's that's where this comes from is deviancy in society and so when you are when you have your society shifting and people going, well, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong, it is definitely easier to get other people on board to create these big rings, right? I mean, it's hard, it's kind of hard to recruit, I imagine, but not really because that's how you would test people. I mean, you would kind of push that limit a little bit further and a little bit further. Okay, you fucked that 25-year-old. That's cool. What about the 21-year-old? That's cool. What about the 18-year-old? All right. How about the 16 year old? You know, at what point is it, is it, do you stop it at? What, how, how young is too young? Um, and, uh, you know, honestly, when these people are asked that question, they don't really have an answer. They don't really have a stopping point. And so, and, and again, these are people that are, are preying on people that are much younger, but, I don't know. Again, read about it. <laughs> That's not what this episode is about. Read about it. Read about it. It's it's real. It's a thing. Um. Anyway, I lost my train of thought. You turned into me for a second there. I know. I did. I was like trying to think <laughs> of like a particular I reference. I watch these guys catch uh catch pedophiles on YouTube all the time. I recommend it. Watch these guys catch pedophiles on YouTube. It's great. Um, they they uh, pretend to be children on the internet. It's like Chris Chris Hansen, right? It's like to catch predator, but modern day. Mm-hmm. And they go meet up with these people. 
And some of these people, Pat, don't have a limit. Sometimes they're talking to a 16-year-old girl, they think, and that 16-year-old girl, girl has an 8-year-old sister. And the predator wants to bring the 8-year-old sister along. And I, Yeah, but that is... That's fucking... I just... That is that just to me is different than being a forty five year old guy picking up a twenty two year old girl at a bar. I don't know. It's not I'm, listen. It's a power dynamic. It, you have more. If you're a forty five year old person, you have more power over the twenty two year old because, especially when you're informed about it, because now you know their brain is not fully developed. It is not fully developed. It's not. And the part of the brain that isn't developed is the part of the brain that makes decisions. It's not fully developed. You know how many people now, right now, in, in my age group, my friends, that regret the fuck out of that kind of stuff, that feel used, that feel sexually assaulted because stuff like that happens, even though at that moment in time they thought it was a good idea, it haunts them. Yeah, lots of people have lives full of regrets. And you know what? I regret 99% of my relationships that I was in, too. You know what I mean? That's part of growing up. You make bad decisions. But to say that you made a bad decision because you hooked up with a guy at a bar one night means that, you know, you were you were abused. It's like, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't want to speak in generalities because I'm, there's plenty of cases where girls, you know, get too drunk and get picked up by guys that have ill and in, intentions and get exploited right just like as we know from the smiley case filler killer cases there's plenty of dudes that go out and get drunk and killed and don't make it home either yeah so absolutely. like you know listen do do people take advantage of drunk people yes yes i think we could agree on that that shit happens um i don't i don't know i don't know what the cutoff is between uh age and a relationship because um you know there's you know, me and my wife are the same age. We we graduated high school, class of 99. We are exactly the same age. But there's plenty of people that are seeing somebody 10 years apart. And I don't think that's the worst thing in the world. Um, you know, I don't know if I would necessarily condemn it. Um, so I don't know, you know, but 10 years between 30 and 40 something. That's way different. A lot, it's a lot different than you know 21 and 31 i guess right, or, or, or whatever wherever you want to put the fucking goalposts. and here's the thing everyone's got a difference of opinion and assholes are like opinions everyone's got one and they're usually full of shit so we'll leave it at that <laughs> i don't know anyway do, do what works for you protect your children tuck your kids in tonight make sure the fucking doors are locked you know thank god newspapers aren't a thing anymore we don't have to worry about pedophile rings yeah you know, google, google all of it google johnny gosh <laughs> fall down that sure. rabbit hole because there is so much more to it uh than just that um google testing kits for your cocaine so that you don't accidentally overdose on them right. and saturday um, march 4th at the great wolf lodge convention center in mason ohio the loveland frog man festival the loveland frog man festival yeah there you go and uh we'll be there and uh, yeah. that's that so all right then well we'll see you guys back here next wednesday